one to the zero to the eight. Testing one, two, one to the zero to the eight. Ep- that is episode 108 of the A-League show. We glad that you tuning in. We glad that you watching us whenever you could be. Of course, uh, recording on a, on another um, on another Sunday morning with with all of us here. Keem, Shad, Jeremy, Eric, how we doing, dudes? You know what it is. You know what it is. It's Funk Flex. <laughs> Hey, you up there in New York, you you starting to sound like a real New Yorker now, huh? It's getting real ugly. Right? I'm, I'm a native. It's getting mad ugly, bro. Like, it's getting real mad ugly, bro. But no, nah, I am though. Shout out to New York, though. Shout out to my people, my second my second family. How y'all doing? If you, if you guys want to um, send a freestyle to Funk Flex, make sure you go on Facebook at Funk's Flex. <laughs> and send your bars up there. Send your 30 minute, 30 second freestyles to Funk Flex on Facebook's inbox. We gonna see if you have bars to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mm, exactly. Exactly. What, what, what about your shot and Jeremy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, as you guys know, uh, tested positive for COVID 19 this week. Uh, yeah, so I'm good other than that. So. Hmm. Sounds like a great week, Jeremy. <laughs> if, as, if, as if life couldn't get more complicated, I guess. You know? I need to tell you, football players different because they, they just be saying, you know, football players, y'all built different because, you know, us basketball players be dramatic as hell if we got COVID. Football players like, oh, you know, I got it. But it's cool, man, you know. I'm, I'm here, right? I got to put my helmet on. I got to go to work. That's what Thanks, it is. Play. That's right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> what it is. Their football players different. <laughs> so, so how you been, man? Like, like what, what are the, the details for everybody, you know, who still looks at COVID as kind of like a, a, a mystery? They still don't know, like, details of if you get it, what are the steps and everything? Um, well, you know, it's that's the thing. It's like it's still a mystery. Like, it's like – it's, it's scary because when you go like after the test, you know, I really didn't feel like I got information. Like, I just felt like they were like, well, the scariest thing was here. Hey, you're positive. And then, you know, when the doctor hands you your paper, they just said, go home and let your body do what it's going to do. Like, that's the like there's that's the scariest thing you ever hear is like. Basically, I was like, there's nothing we can really do for you. It's just kind of, you know, up to your body to fight this, however, it's going to fight it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, as of now, this has been, I think it's three days. This is my fourth day after my test. Um, I don't have any symptoms right now. Um, just quarantined at home. Um, and you know, my wife, she's, she lives here with me. So, you know, just because I tested positive now, she has to quarantine as well. So, um, that's been, that's probably been the most difficult thing right now. It's just like being relegated to being at home because I've been out working this entire time you know I somehow managed to not catch this throughout all that and now I'm kind of trapped in my room <laughs> and so we're having to like communicate from another room which is you know difficult but it's you know it's just doing what you got to do and um you know I'm not gonna lie I'm definitely afraid like I don't I wake up every day wondering like is this a day I'm gonna get really sick um um, you know, and, you know, I've heard stories about people, you know, having random heart attacks without having symptoms and like that stuff worries me as well. So I'm just, I'm constantly listening to my body to see what, you know, if there's any, if there's any twinge here or a peak there or a cough here, I, I wonder what's going on. So, 
it's it's scary. It's it's probably more mentally daunting than it is physically at this point for me. So, yeah, just because like like you said, we don't know the answer. We don't have answers yet. So it's like you're just left up in the air, exactly. And even so, like I, this is good for people to see. Like you went and stood in line, though. I think that's why I salute you for that because it's like a lot of people are refusing to want to accept this our reality. And you stood in line for what two, three hours? Six hours. I ended up sitting. I ended up, I ended up having to sit in line for six hours. I got my test results back in fifteen minutes, but I think I got in line at like twelve thirty. I didn't leave with my results until six forty-five. So mm-hmm. you can imagine sitting in a car that long with no bathroom. All I had, you know, all I really could do was listen to podcasts and read. I mean, that's really all I had an opportunity to do for those six hours. I didn't get any food or anything. So. Yeah, that was that was difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, but I felt like it was, I felt like it's my it was my duty to make sure that I'm not like out here passing this around and you know and not knowing that I have it. Like, just think if I hadn't went and got tested, and um, you know, I'd gone to work or I'd gone to the store or I'd been just out living my life for the next two weeks, and you know, I'm I'm giving this away now. So yeah. 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 It's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely something that's still real. And, you know, I feel like people have kind of, you know, kind of started to look at it as something that's just like, it's, oh, that, that was last week's news. No, no. If, if anything, it's more dangerous now because we're not thinking about it. I, I saw in Athens this week, they, they opened the bars Friday night. I tested positive Thursday. I was not the only person in that line. It took six hours because there were there were hundreds of people ahead of me. So, like, if those people, if half of those people tested positive, how many people have they come in contact with? Like this, like this outbreak is not; it's still festering, and nobody's really talking about it. You know, rightfully so. Like, there's other things that are going on, but like, I, I don't feel like we need to swing the the, the thing one way or the other from like both of these topics, you know, both this, this deserves a little attention as well, just cause it's still going on. Um, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. people's lives are in danger. And yeah. I mean, you talk about all lives matter. This is the, the perfect all lives matter thing. Mm-hmm. You're so right about that. Right about that. Cause I think that, you know, you know, like you said, it's um, it's something where both topics, as you said, Jeremy, are certainly deserving of their, you know, their fair share of attention. Absolutely, I think it's, you know, it's sort of one of those things where I think some people, um, you know, some people, I think it's, you know, it's it's become one of those things where people think like, oh, this has been out there for two months, and I won't say that people have sort of gotten bored to hear about the virus, but I do believe that I think that some people are kind of, you know, looking at, you know, the little bit of information that they do, that there is out there about it. And I think that they're starting to kind of let their guard guards down a little bit of it. And they're starting to, they're starting to think like, okay, like we, we know enough about this, you know, you know, about this, you know, so um, people think, okay, they're just starting to take it lightly when really and truly, like you said, there's just still, so much that we don't know and it's still out there like in some states like there are some states that have you know done pretty well with it i mean washington state california new york state but there are other states you know especially in the southeast and in the midwest that they're just now starting to see their cases rise and the thing is they're starting to see their cases rise in you know in 
you know, rural areas. So it's not necessarily like, you know, the Atlantas or, you know, the, the Indianapolises or the Chicago's or the Detroit's or the Louisville's. It's, it's one of those things where it's starting to rise in, you know, places that typically we don't necessarily think about because they're not population centers. What do y'all think of um, Trey Young playing basketball in a packed gym this week? <laughs> I'm laughing because I know that I know it bothered the hell out of you. See your boy Trey. Your, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. Second year in the league, you mm-hmm. you started in the All Star game. You started in an all-star game. You're like you're, you're not just a franchise player for a lottery team. You're one of the players that everybody, you know, LeBron said it best after he played uh, 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 Zion. I forgot his name. He said the league is in the great hands with Luca, Trey, Zion, and uh, I think he said somebody else. John Morant. John Morant. John Morant. So those are like the four guys. Like you're one of the four guys, the cornerstones of the league moving forward. You can't you can't afford to do that, man. You can't. I mean, even if you know you didn't catch anything or something like that, like it's just not a good look. You know what I'm saying? It's just not a good look for Trey, in my opinion, and, and the Hawks. Like, cause you're you're the you're not just a, a all star. You're a cornerstone. One of the four, you know, players they're talking about are the future of the league, the next generation. This was in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. yeah. He, was out there for a, he was out there for a protest, and he played afterwards, And I guess. But, I don't know, it's like Rashad said, it's not a good look. And being in my situation, I definitely was afraid for him and, like, all the people there. I'm just like, I was in a crowd smaller than that, and I caught this. So – you know, how how are we sure that these people are safe? I mean, yeah, like I don't I don't I don't know. It's just a bad look and it it's it scares me because, you know, obviously I want sports to happen eventually. We all do. We're all sports journalists. That's how we you know, make our living. But you know, I would I would almost rather us ease into this so that we don't have it taken away in mid stride when it's time for it to come back. Because I feel like doing this the wrong way and having this attitude that have we currently have about this puts us in danger of starting a football season and not being able to finish. Mm. Or starting an NBA season next year and not being able to finish because of actions being taken today. And it, it's it's scary because, like, I, I saw photos of downtown Athens and, you know, literally less than a week after, you know, I, I contracted this and, and nobody has a mask. People are not socially distanced. They're all packed into this bar. And it's like, you know, the whole thing behind this was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to ease into it. And people are going to be socially distanced in these bars. That's all lip service because that's not what's actually happening. We went from zero to 100 just because it opened. And it's like this this idea of, okay, let's let's give it an extra week. What are we waiting on? Okay, if we're going to just go right into it, what, what are we waiting on? Like, what's being changed? Like, is are we waiting on a cure? Or are we waiting on a vaccine? Like, what what's happening for us to be holding off like this just to go right into it as if nothing had changed? Do 
I think that that's really what's happening. That's what's happening. A lot of these, it's one of those things where I feel like that what's, what's really driving a lot of this and including the, you know, the, the return of sports, which we're about to, you know, which we're about to get to in a little bit because the NBA, you know, announced their, you know, that announced their plans to return uh, at the Disney Y World of Sports Complex. But, um, but I do think that a lot of what is, in fact, it's obvious what's going on here is, you know, a lot of these businesses that are trying to open up, they're looking at the bottom line and they're looking at it like, okay, we're losing money, time to reopen. And I think that a lot of what's also happening in a lot of states is that a lot of places are really underestimating the risk that is still out there. And Shad, that's a great point that you made about Trey. I mean, because like you said, you know, when you look at, you know, one of, you know, one of the fact that, you know, he's going to be one of the faces going forward, you know, for the NBA, that's, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, if I'm, if I'm the Hawks, I'm like, wait a minute, like what's, you know, what's really going on here? Like that's, um, you know, that's just something like you said, it's just, it's just not a good look and has to be, you know, definitely has to be concerning, but, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually kind of monitoring that situation as well to, you know, to just make sure that, um, to just see if, if there was like any, hopefully there won't be no positive tests that came out of it, but, you know, just really monitoring that situation to see if there was any positive tests coming out of that. But, and, but you yeah. know, the Hawks wouldn't publicize it if, if he did test positive. There's True. no way that's coming out. There's no yeah, no way in the blue earth that's coming out if he tests positive. Yeah, that ain't happening. Not at all. Right. We gotta protect as much as possible because I I mean, first of all, looking at it, it's there's so many other NBA guys who have like really done a who have constantly updated like their fans and have shown like they've been really like they've been they stuck to you know, they've isolated. They they follow parameters like I mean yes quite clearly there's been some you know like a few that you maybe see that they're working out in gym with their trainers you know what I mean like that's usually it to the extent but like Trey was the first one I see and I'm sure you guys that was like clearly in a crowd of like more than a hundred people it looked like I don't know how many people but it Dude, was like Darius, Darius Baisley was also there from OKC okay yeah, he's, he's playing Thunder right yeah but yeah. but he's not one of the yeah. four cornerstones of the and then OKC season isn't over. They're going to Disney, yeah. bro. So Disney. if I'm OKC, I'm like, yo. <laughs> That's probably Trey's excuse, too. It's like, yo, the season's over. I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, which is just so still flagrant and wild. But, yeah, it's still – you have a responsibility. So I agree with Shot on this one. You just like, It was pretty – I just thought that was old footage. I thought people were like, yo, this is from, like, two years ago before. Nah. You know what I mean? I was like, nah, that not yesterday. Right. Somebody said it was yesterday. I said, What? He was hooping yesterday. He put a 50 on yesterday. I was like, oh, boy, Trey. So, yeah. And it's funny. As a Hawks fan, this is the first time we ever have to actually watch one of our stars, bro. Like, this is still new for us to get used to. We have a star athlete that everybody has eyes on. So, it's like, it's kind of weird. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing, the only thing about it, though, is that the Hawks aren't one of those teams that's actually going to Disney World. Like, they season is over based on what they, you know, right. what they announced. Yes. How do we, and speaking of that, how do we feel about the announcement, fellas? Are, are we excited? Are we, the NBA is coming back? How do we feel? Well, after Jeremy's um, test, like the whole thing, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I take it, I hate to say it, but I, I just like, I still take it more seriously. Like that was a reinforcement of like, yo, this is, this hits really close to home. Someone like, you know, that's really close to me has it. So I was like, this is still a thing. So so for me, I would like, you know, 
I would like there be to kind of like the, the everybody to get there two weeks early ahead of the preseason, which is like maybe next week. We'll, yeah. we'll be two weeks from July 2nd, the, the preseason. I would like everybody to get there two weeks early and quarantine. Like everybody gets a room in Orlando. You quarantine for two weeks and then you guys come together again at the beginning of July and then, you know, do it like that. And then at the end of the season, after the championship or after you get eliminated, you quarantine in your own hotel room another two weeks and then you go home to your families. I would like to see that. I think I think that's the I think that's cool what you say that because college football is doing that very thing. A lot of guys are moving back to their cities, their college towns, where I mean, you know, there's nobody on campus right now. So, you know, these teams and these like the major teams for sure, like Notre Dame, Georgia, Tennessee, like they're able to get their guys on campus and, you know, test them as they come in the door, but then also kind of say, Okay, you guys just go to your room for two weeks and see how you feel and then we'll come together as a team. And then I've seen some places where they're bringing them in by groups. I think Kentucky brought in 50 guys, uh, I want to say at the beginning of this last week, set them up, tested them, quarantined them in a room by themselves, and then tested them and screened them throughout the week. And now they're bringing in another group next week. So, like, I agree with you, Rashad. I really think that's the best way to do this. It's like, like you don't want to just throw all these guys back together. It's worked for NASCAR so far. Um, NASCAR went about it like this as well. And I think that – I think seeing how NASCAR is handled it has desensitized people to how you can actually do this because NASCAR is not playing with the same ball. They're not throwing – they're not passing the ball to each other, bumping into each other. Like NASCAR drivers can literally come in and not see their team until they get in the car and race, yeah, yeah. never touch their competitor and leave and never touch anybody. So – that's why it's worked for them. But yeah, I agree with you, Rashad. That's a great, that's a great idea. It also, um, it also helps in terms of, you know, in terms of NASCAR that the, um, that the venues for NASCAR are a lot bigger than an enclosed NBA, you know, arena. So, or an enclosed NBA court. So it's a lot closer and it, you know, it's one of those things where in, where in the NBA and basketball, there's no way, you know, people are staying six feet away from each other. I mean, that there's, there's just a lot of contact. And, you know, especially after, you know, after the news that, you know, that you dropped, Jeremy, it definitely is one of those things that certainly, um, like you just said, Shy, it hit close to home because, you know, just, just thinking about that, because I think that, you know, we've sort of been, you know, we've sort of forgotten about it, that it's still, that it's still out there. But, but that's, a, that's a great point, Shy, you made about, you know, about the two-week quarantine bit. What's also, um, what's also something that I had, um, that I was also thinking about was, all these um, leagues that are thinking about returning are specifically, you know, looks like they're zeroing in on the state of Florida. But <laughs> if I remember correctly, it looked like, the, and the reason for that is because their governor, Ron DeSantis, has deemed sports essential. Like, that's why, um, you know, that's why WWE has pretty much held all of their events at their performance center in Orlando. Uh, that's why AEW wrestling has been able to hold all of its events uh, in Jacksonville. Um, so, um, so it's, um, you know, Florida has kind of become somewhat of the sports, you know, the quarantine sports capital of the United States for the time being. I mean, the, the NBA is, you know, thinking about their WNBA is also thinking about going to the IMG Academy also in Bradenton, Florida. So Florida has been thinking a lot about this and they're really trying to become like this, you know, this, this sports bubble of the country. But the thing is cases at, from what I went, from what I read 
are still rising in Florida. So that's the thing that still has me somewhat, um, somewhat concerned. And that's why it goes back to what you said um, earlier, Shad, about, you know, about the, about the whole thing about the two, two week quarantine. Cause I feel like that if you really, it's really one of those things where you have to look out for, you know, for the safety of the players and for the safety of everybody involved. So, so I think that, you know, they're going to, you know, but then again, this is the NBA we're talking about. Like you think that they're going to, you know, they've got the money to be able to put these protocols in place. And the, but the only thing that really, or one of the things that kind of also concerns me about this is if you're going to test NBA players on the regularly, that's tests that won't be going to others that won't necessarily need it or may need it even more so. That's been something that lots of people have uh, have really tried to to key in on. But but you know it's you know it is a, a pretty interesting effort that all these sports you know have you know have made at the very least they've made efforts to try and return like NASCAR you know like the NBA. I mean, you know, golf's even thinking about returning, but golf and tennis are probably two of the easiest sports to return because those are socially distant sports to begin with. But one sport that has not, is, is probably not close to returning, Major League Baseball, because baseball is in, uh, is in a squabble with the players union over money. And I can sort of understand where their players union is looking at it from a standpoint of, oh, we want our money and we're playing in unsafe conditions. But it's one of those things where it just sort of, it's just such a contrast between how the NBA is, you know, is really making a, you know, going all out trying to return. And yet you have, you know, Major League Baseball that is either thinking about not returning at all, but with how, you know, how apart they are from their union, or they're just going to use replacement players. So it's just amazing how, you know, just how, the NBA is really making a, at least they're trying to get back on the court because the way things are going, the way things are going in baseball, I don't think there's going to be a 2020 baseball season or one that you could legit call a season. Yeah. I think even with the NBA, it's, it's like they, the TV contracts have like dictated so much of it that it's like not even really, um, we know where it's, like where it's coming from, where the motivation to bring it back is, is that they have an obligation with the TV companies. Like they have to at least play 70 games or whatnot. So like there's a clear like money incentive, which for all the sports are, but especially for NBA, that's a lot of, that's a big chunk, right? Like NBA can't front, like they can't avoid what those TV contracts do for them when it comes to salaries and all these different kind of things. So it's important for them to bring it back. So that is that end of a case. But at the same time, like to be honest, when the, when they announced it, like, we have heard about it for a couple of weeks now that they were going to bring it back and da da da. But it's like, I don't know, to be personal about it, like, I, I had already, like, not, like, got it out of my mind and removed it. Like, I didn't, I wasn't excited, wasn't really hype about it, didn't care. Because for a month, for a couple months now, it's just been like, I've strictly told myself, like, yo, it's definitely NBA if it comes back. If it does, I was expecting it not to come back. Um, but I just didn't care. Like the severity of it was like, but it's like, this is like bigger than sports or whatever. That's literally what it was for me. Like, I just couldn't, I can't, I still can't get excited about it for some reason. I don't know what it is. It just doesn't rank as high on my list of like importance of, of, of things. Cause it's just not, it's, we're getting like a modified NBA season at that, you know, they'll be playing in, in the, on the Disney resort. Like they're trying to use like what NBA 2K like sound to pump in to like make it feel like a real 
game. Like, there's so many also parts of it that just seem complete corny to me and, like, just a waste of time that I'm, I'm really not that much thrilled about it just because this is such a – this is actually a pandemic that people are trying to live through. And it's like – we also saw the differences, like Keem said it, but it's like, bro, within the first week when it happened with Rudy Gobert and, all, and Donovan Mitchell, when, we, when that started, bro, they got testing done within, like, a span of a day. Like, so as a U.S. citizen, it's like, bro, this is like classism at its best. I can't even, most people can't even get that testing at that time. Like, they couldn't even, didn't have it handy where it was like reachable for people. But you have NBA players and like of that sort that got it so quickly, which, yeah, no, to no surprise, but it's still like, all it does is just kind of remind you of that, of like, all right, we're, we're living totally two different lives, clearly. But this is still at the same point, this is a pandemic, people are dying from it. So I can't. When that happens, like the follow through, like the the reaction to me is just like, bro, I'm gonna shift my mind to what clearly does matter. I, obviously, this is our livelihood. Sports keep us going, but it's like I can't. It's it's just a at the end of the day, it's a sport, bro. Like I can't even like get myself hyped up about it. So it's been weird this whole week because obviously, you know, there's so much other stuff going on that our minds are in like several different pockets right now. But for this, I was like. They were gonna do this regardless. Like they were pushing for this for hard silver, the MVPA, like it was a full like players did not want to lose the season. So they weren't gonna let this die. LeBron James tweeted that like weeks ago, like or maybe last month. He was like, yo, we're no, we're gonna have an NBA season. I don't know what this person's talking about, but he was like quoting, he responded to somebody like, We're gonna do it. LeBron says that, Chris Paul says that you know it's gonna happen. So this is no surprise, but how modified it is isn't surprise either. This is what they have to do. They have to save money. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked at all, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't know what it is. I can't get excited about it. I can't get, for some reason, just can't. <laughs> it's weird. As much as I love basketball, I can't, I don't know why, but maybe when the game starts, maybe, but right now it's like, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm with you, Eric. Um, like, it's like, you know, there's so much other stuff going on that's been, that's honestly just had my, like our attention. Like, it's just, that's the first part. I wasn't excited either. I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. The inmates back. Yay. I kind of got hit for a second. I was like, okay, well, you know, that's still a month away. I'm not even, honestly, I'm not, I'm still not even sure it's going to happen. Like, that's a month away. So much can change in a month. So mm-hmm. then on the second hand, it's like, okay, they do, say they do start playing, they play eight games and they play the playoffs. What, what does this really mean? Like, we're talking about a, a, the continuation of a season that's basically been over for months now. Yeah. So just for sports conversation's sake, winning a championship, what does that mean? Like the whole purpose of winning a championship is that you get to share it with your city. How is your city going to celebrate a championship that's won in Orlando? Like <laughs> say if LeBron wins a championship, that'll be another asterisk that people can just put on his legacy or – Say Giannis and Milwaukee win, and then okay, it was a win. It was a short season. Blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, say if some team gets hot. Say if the Utah Jazz get hot and they rally and they win a championship. Okay, yeah. well, it was a short. So at, at, at this point, it's almost like if I'm an NBA player, like is it really worth playing? I'm not going to get anything for winning. I don't get to feel the excitement of being in my city and celebrating with my city. I can't go to a parade to have the mm. celebration trophy. I'm not going to do it on my home court that I played 60 games to earn. Um, like, there's, like, it just doesn't feel like an NBA playoffs. 
Like it just feels like a AAU tournament, and and, and it's for just for the sake of TV money. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not like that money won't be there when this is cured, or when we can actually do this in a safe way. Um, yeah. If if somebody somebody I heard once somebody said, you know, if you can't do something in a normal way, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Like like all of this is done. It's like you know you're doing all these modifications and changing the venues and all this stuff and it's like it's all to avoid this this pandemic so why if you have to do all this why even bother i mean sports are important but you know i enjoy being able to turn on and watch nascar like that's good enough for me i don't like i don't need i don't need nba players to put their lives in danger i don't need I mean, it's our livelihood, but I don't need football players to do that. Like, I don't have, I don't have to have that. That's fine. And it's honestly, it's hard to get excited about a season with everything going on. So, yeah, it's just me as an observer of the sport. So, it feels like a lockout season, and that, and that, it's like when the Spurs won it in '99, and then uh, 2011, we had the lockout. Like, it's just a weird. It it just feels like it's it. There's so many factors. There's like momentum that was halted. Like, bro, a whole NBA season is play. It's totally different. We know how sports go. Like, you need an entirety of the season to really get a full picture and like a full representation of like what actually happened this season. A rightful champion, like to make because the NBA. One thing about basketball is fair. Like, you get seven games to win a series. You get, you know, what I mean, like it's no the better team for the most part always wins. Um, I mean, regard. I mean, injury and like uh, injury aside, but it's like usually the better team wins. You have plenty of chance. But this is like, there's gonna be bro. These players are gonna come back. It's gonna be trash. Like there's gonna be so many guys that have to get back in rhythm, bro. Like it's gonna be so many trash. Like just, it's gonna be ugly to watch them again. I'm sure. Hey, but Trey, Trey scored 43 this week. Trey scored 43. Yeah. Trey scored 43 this week. He's got 43 this week. Yeah, yeah. Man, first game back on the court, score 43. He was ready. He was sharp. Yeah, he was sharp. I don't know about the rest of these dudes. When they get back on the floor, I'm not sure. I'm just I'm not sure. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, so. What what, what role does injury play in all this, though? Like, you got guys at home for three months. Like, I I know they got – some of them got gyms and stuff they can work out in, but who – Some of them got gyms. Who's really been, like, intense workout? Like, it's been like it was – like, there would be a coach preparing. Like, who's actually been doing that? So you can't just come back in a week and just turn it on. That's how you get hurt. I mean, yeah. I don't know if anybody's, like, ever sat sat around for a long time and then just all of a sudden uh, started doing something again. And you pull you your hamstring, the first, the first rebound you go up for. If you ain't play basketball in three weeks, the first rebound you get, you're going to pull your hamstring. You got to ease into this. <laughs> I mean, I, I – I was playing flag football a couple of years ago. I hadn't played flag football in years. This was, was while I was in college. I came home to Athens, and I found out a game was going on. And I went out there and played for a little while. I was doing good. And then all of a sudden, I popped my calf muscle. Yeah. And played. So. Okay. Mm. Oh, and play like a football. I'm sure y'all kept <laughs> That's what proved my point. No, but it's real. You, like, Steph said, I think Steph said a joke, too. He was like, people, uh. Everybody's lying about working out with their trainers right now. Now, Most of these NBA guys have been fronting, acting like they're training. A lot of them have it because half of them don't really be training that that's hard during the regular season. Yeah, that was, um, you know, yeah, that's just, you know, it's just been a a lot to, um, you know, a lot to digest and everything as far as with the, um, as far as with the return. I'm, 
you know, it, like I was saying, you know, like I was saying earlier, I'm, you know, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of excited, but at the same time, I can't get, you know, I can't, I just can't get completely excited of it because I feel like it's, you know, just thinking about it, it's just going to be a lot of, um, a lot of asterisks, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of questions. And, you know, it's, it's also, it's really one of those things that just makes it think like, you know, because this was something that I was mentioning baseball earlier, like baseball was, you know, you know, trying to put all these, you know, you know, protocols in place, like, you know, no mascots, no shaking of hands and things like that. And I just feel, feel like, you know, just thinking about the baseball example that, you know, of course, everything's, you know, going completely kaput, obviously, with baseball and, you know, the way Rob Manfred and Tony Clark have tried to handle their mess. I just look at it like if if it's something that you have to do so much to try and save a season that a lot of fans and a lot of onlookers aren't even going to, you know, even look at as legitimate, then it really makes it look like, you know, is it, you know, it just makes it look like, is it really worth it? <laughs> um, so, so I have a couple of rebuttals. My, my first rebuttal would be, I don't know if the asterisk would necessarily kind of, maybe, I think it depends on who wins. So like what Jeremy said, like, if Utah gets hot, no one's going to take that seriously. <laughs> but if the Lakers won, people are going to add that to LeBron's legacy. You know, um, like no one takes away from 2011, the Mavs. No one takes away from the Spurs and what was that, 98, 99. So um, yeah. it's just, you know, it, it depends on who wins. And I don't think there's going to be an asterisk next to it if it's one of those teams that people expected to win. Uh, all season long and stuff like that. And then, um, what what was my other point? Um, We were talking about, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine, like, game seven of the NBA Finals just being in an empty gym? Just like, skit, 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 skit. Like, like, that's game seven of the NBA Finals. And it's like, dudes, like, yelling, yeah! Like, at each other, like, it'll be so awkward. You got Mike Green telling, yelling, bang. And it's like he's the only one in the arena. It's like bang is gonna echo. It's gonna be like everywhere. The players are gonna hear everything they say. Like if yeah. Jeff, like, Jeff Van Gundy's like, uh, what, what is he doing? He's stupid. Like what Jr. Smith is stupid. Like and then you, you know you gotta hear that and just play it. That's Mark crazy. Jackson definitely gotta watch his mouth because you know Mark Jackson. We, oh, we've yeah. seen Mark. <laughs> what what happens if KG's yells? It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's there, bro. <laughs> no, they, what they need is the, the TNT crew. What if they had the TNT crew, man? Because them jokers don't hold back. They said, Joel and B. You know what I wish the oh, most? Man. I wish I wish that the Warriors were in it so that Charles Barkley was was actually like he was doing a full-on analysis. And he could, and Draymond could hear him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I need, I need I trouble, uh, check the call a game with the Warriors playing in the empty gym. <laughs> he, said, he said, "Oh, Draymond gonna put up a triple single. You working on that triple single, ain't you?" <laughs> That's real. We need that. That's even we need. I try to get this thing crazy. I want it to be real shady. Uh-huh. No, no, I need Shaq. Yeah, Shaq's gotta talk to him about him. Be every play. Oh, I got you. Elite big man, huh? You supposed to be the next one, huh? Left hook, right hook. Left hook, right hook. He's running down the floor. I actually need the commentators 
the, the guys who tell the jokes and who are sitting in the I need them to call the games in the empty gym just to so okay. uh, rile up those players. So I'm really, I'm with he has it. someone to look at when yeah. he makes a basket, you know, so Jokic has someone to look at. Did Minnesota make No, Minnesota didn't make it. No. Because no. Pat would be another one of those players that I love to see them just rip him during the game, and, you know, he has to. They go at Cat hard, bro. I, yeah. I love ben Simmons, bro. Ben Simmons going to get it. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He always does. <laughs> I need Shaq. I need Shaq for Ben Simmons to get the ball. Shoot it, Ben. Why won't you shoot it? <laughs> I need it. I need it. I need it. This sounds more fun the more I talk about it. How, how do you guys feel about Mike players? No, no. I'm going to Feel about what? Mike and I said, how do you guys feel about having players mic'd? I know the NFL, uh, I want to say Deshaun Jackson came out this week and said that if the NFL is not going to have fans, they need to mic all their players. Well, this the NBA could do the same thing. Uh, Them dudes talk so I much. I love to hear that, bro. I like, want that. I want it. It's kind of like inhumane, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want fans. I don't want eight-year-old kids to know, like, what LeBron and them really be saying on the – like, yeah. when – like when he blocked Steph and the camera zoomed in on him, he said, and we don't know what he said. Like what he said was probably like, like not oh, yeah. good for society. I would not good for society. I wish I could say it right now because I, I know what he said. Ooh, I asked that because NBA players are more brand driven because you can see them, and NFL players, you know, some of the stuff you hear in the shuffle at an NFL game, you know, you kind of uh. You don't really look at that person's face and think about it's it. That way. And can you imagine LeBron James saying some of the stuff we know he says, but saying yeah. it on the, in the game seven of the NBA Finals? What what that dude would do for his brand? The no, shop, no. The shop has already been like for me, like a like dang LeBron cusses this much. <laughs> they all cuss. They all right, cuss. Right. I mean, we all humans in the end. They all cuss. They're guarded, though. Like Jeremy said, they are guarded. NBA players are going to be real. Like, man, they're the stars, though. But, man, like, some of these dudes, once the game starts to get heated, I think most of them be like, they don't care. Like, it's playoff time. I think some of them be like, they don't. Because people think I'm a huge – I love Chris Paul. That man is all about church and all that. Therefore, we cussed him, boy. Chris Paul is a different dude on the court. So, Chris Paul's a demon, I, bro. Yeah, <laughs> about demon time. Chris Paul be on demon time on the court. Bro. You know what I'm saying? He don't care, bro. What's the same, bro? He don't. That's a different church boy. Is different than Chris Paul on the court, boy. Like, so yeah, I think they gonna forget. I think once the game starts and it gets like competitive, I think a lot of them will like forget and be like, I'm just good. I got this. This is who I am, bro. Because they've been talking trash since they can remember since they high. Can you imagine them talking to Dwight Howard on the court? Can you imagine what people say to Dwight? <laughs> Remember Draymond, when Draymond says the KD in the huddle. Now think about oh, yeah, that. Yeah. That's well, just normal in a huddle. Man, we needed that. I still wish we could have got that audio, man. We need what Draymond said. Well, we know what they reported, but I want to hear it. No, I, I, think, I, think there is, I think there is a clip of him like oh, yelling at him. Really? I, oh, snow. I don't want to make it up. But I don't know if it's because I've heard the story so many times, but I think there's, like, a clip of, like, you can see him, like, yelling at KD in the huddle and then them walking out the oh. huddle kind of, like, looking separate ways. Listen, at the end of the – bro, we love NBA. It's a, it's reality TV. They might as well – if they want to do mic it up, mic it up because we already have enough drama. 
Like, come on, NBA, come on, bro. We've covered this league. Like, it's drama, like, out the wazoo, so. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't need the, the someone to block the shot and then someone say, you know, in the – I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> hot, hot, dog, say. hot dog in the bun looking boy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I you know they're going to do that, though. You absolutely know because all of this is being done for TV, obviously. So, And on top of everything else – ESPN is probably because they're going to end up, you know, having games on ESPN. ESPN knows that a big part of the reason for why The Last Dance was such a success because the ESPN feed of it was the unedited feed. It was the, it, it was the dirty feed. So you know they're going to have the, these players mic'd up, and if they slip, I think they actually want that because that's, it, that, that, that's, the, that's what's going on here. ESPN. So you know they're going to have these players mic'd. I can see it coming now. There'll be a there'll be a channel just for for that ESPN uncut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember when when Obama got drafted and he worked out with uh, Joel and B and Joel and B was like fouling him on purpose and he dunked. Oh, him. he was, it, ooh, was like, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the in league. ESPN. Hilarious, dude. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. I'm yeah. that, but yeah. it could get really raw, man. Yeah, yeah. But I feel, I feel like, I feel like we want that. I feel like, as you know, I feel like as onlookers, I feel like we know so much about these players up to this point, where we know what they say, we know what happens because it happens. It happens in all sports. It happens in you know, it happens in NBA. It happens in college. It happens. It happened even happens at high school. So we know what these players be saying, and you know that's something that they just can't filter out at this point. So if it happens, it happens. But but yeah, it looks like that. The looks like basketball's uh looks like basketball's coming back. But at the same time, you know, lots of people, like you said, you know, they're still um. It's one of those things where we're still um. You know, we're kind of distracted, and I'm kind of wondering exactly like you know even how much you know how many people are even you know going to. Um, you know, really pay attention to that because we're still dealing with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of social issues, obviously. And there were even a lot of, you know, a lot of notable football players that weighed in on the on the protests that are happening all over the country and, have, you know, really, um, you know, weighed in and including a couple of people that, you know, yeah. like, to know that kind of put their feet in their mouth. So, you know, one of them, um, <laughs> one of them was uh, Drew Brees. Um, you know, and, you know, they're, uh, especially around Atlanta, it's one of those things where lots of people, you know, have some things, you know, to say about him, just of the fact that he's uh, wearing a New Orleans Saints uniform. Um, so, uh, yeah, he said, you know, he said some stuff talking about the, um, you know, talking about uh, not, you know, disrespecting the flag and everything. And then he sort of walked back those, um, he sort of walked back those comments and he even uh, tweeted at 45 uh, to try, you know, make up for that. But, um, but he said some stuff. Um, Jake Fromm even said some stuff, uh, which, uh, <laughs> which definitely, Jeremy, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, got your attention because you <laughs> saw Jake Fromm up close and personal, uh, you know, being in Georgia. So, so, uh, you know, so <laughs> just wanted to, you know, see what everybody, you know, just what everybody thought about, you know, just some of these, uh, you know, some of these football players out there just kind of putting they, you know, just sort of, you know, throwing their two cents out there and <laughs> even put their feet in their mouth. <laughs> Listen, Drew Brees, I can kind of go, um, Drew Brees threw two pick sixes this weekend, bro. 
All right. He threw two of them things. <laughs> because I swear to you, I couldn't stop laughing when I was like, I saw the first time and I thought the outrage of it was one thing. I saw the, I didn't saw the video. And at first I was like, why the hell is he talking to Yahoo Finance, first of all? And then uh, what is this about? All right, so I saw the question. It's like, all right, that's the context of it. He went completely left. We already know what he said. All right, fair enough. And there was like literally no remorse. Like he had no thought. Like he, it didn't matter what the question was for Drew. Like it felt like he just wanted to get that off. You feel me? Like he just wanted to say it. He didn't, it, like the question was one thing. He went completely left because he just wanted to say that I'm full on American. Da, da, da. Like that felt real personal for him to make a statement. That's why I feel like all this apology stuff is like, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like that felt real, like he had an intention to say, to double down on what he said a couple years ago about, about the flag and Colin and all that kind of thing. So cool. Drew said what he said. Now, stepping back from it, all right, the thing about Drew Brees is, He's never, I think a lot of people were shocked because he's never been actually like hated or even not even hated, but he's never been ridiculed or like criticized outside of the football realm before until now. And that's because, bro, when people, most people were introduced to Drew Brees was when? Hurricane Katrina and that in the New Orleans Saints that season, right? Before that, a lot of the country really didn't know Drew Brees, like the national, yeah, NFL circles, people knew who followed football somewhat of it, but like that was his like introduction. So all people knew about him is like, oh, he's he's so well, he does so well for the for the New Orleans community. He's this like charitable guy. He's not like Tom Brady. He's not like, you know, all these other, other guys. Like he's a different, he's just he's always underrated. He's like the the little guy who's just always trying to fight hard and like he's undersized and he still makes it happen. He's amazing, blah, blah, blah. All those things great. He comes from a background, Texas. He wasn't like the biggest recruit. All these things were Drew. So it made people kind of like shape who they thought he was. And then he keeps showing himself time and time again, and everybody's shocked. And it's like the brother had a picture with Trump. And, the, and everybody, when that came out, people were like, oh, why is he sitting with Trump in the suite at the college football championship? That doesn't make sense because he was riding for New Orleans after Katrina. He did all these things. Why does it? Bro, it's two different things. I, I don't know why we can't understand, like, I know there's, like, this hard-pressed idea that people, football fans, have of, like, the white quarterback and all that. Bruh, that's, it's, if we see anything this weekend, it's not what you think it is, bruh. All right? It's not, like, there's no perfection here. There's no, like, clean cut. This is who they are. They, bruh, they're all fault. Like, they're all at some fault. They all have some type of, we know what Brady with the hat in the locker room. They all are, like, at the end of the day, they're political just as much as you think they are. Like, people are so shocked when white quarterbacks show themselves. It's like, bruh, they're all political, too. They, If they're Republican, they're Republican. I'm not, none of that shit shocks me. So, with Breeze's weekend, I was, like, sitting back, watching it, and then Fromm followed up, doubled, you know, said what he said. We can get to that. I want. I can't wait to hear what Jeremy says about the boy Fromm. But Breeze, and that's way I was just like, wow, okay. So he really wanted to make a statement this weekend. He seemed real angry about the protest and everything that's going on. He just wanted to double down and say what he said. Cool. All right. Now, now the apology is coming for him. He said now he's learning. Now he wants to learn. Do you guys understand that Drew Breeze is forty years old? Forty years old. Okay. <laughs> he's not Jay Fromm. He's not uh, just entering the league. He is a 40-year-old man. This dude has been in the locker rooms with black players his entire career, bro. And he's just not realizing as he's going out the door, 
all right, because he has how much more left in his tank? I don't know. But he's realizing I only got this much time left. I have to, I have, I'm looking real bad right now. A lot of people are mad at me. I got to make sure I look right before I check out because I only have a couple more seasons left in me and I'm out of here. I don't want to end like this. So he's covering himself too, but he's also showing himself, bro. You had a lot of time to work on this. Alvin Kamara gave you a thread, a beautiful thread that I really appreciated from him about his experience as a, as a black man, especially as an African immigrant son growing up in Atlanta. He's sitting right next to your locker room, bro. He's in your locker room with you. All right. And then you do what you say. And it's like, doesn't match up. So clearly you haven't put in the work. Drew Brees threw two pick sixes this weekend, bro. You're trash. Okay. Jameis uh, Winston took a W this week. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you get your. Uh, no, don't do that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a W. Go ahead. Uh, I agree with everything you said on Drew, man. Yeah, it's, um, I think I think a lot of the stuff he's done for New Orleans has people kind of um, has kind of shaded some of the stuff that he has done. Um, that he shaded some of the stuff of who he is. Um, uh, you know, he grew up a hardcore Republican from Texas. Uh, his mother is an attorney. Uh, I believe his dad's a district attorney. I'm not sure of that, but. They're, you know, they've been really well off. He's been in a really respected family, military background, government background. He's a tennis player growing up. This is who I know who Drew Brees was growing up. He went to Purdue. Purdue's not an easy school to get into. So that being as it may, we gave him a pass because he went to New Orleans and helped rebuild New Orleans. You can be a nice person and not understand someone's plight. I don't think Drew Brees is a bad person. I don't think he's a racist. He does have a lack of understanding, and it's on him for his ignorance. He's 40 years old. He has had plenty of time to get to know these people. Also, the fact that he said this at this time was so tone deaf that it's almost impossible to believe that someone this intelligent, with this much experience, at this age, can still think this and still be this tone deaf. The, first of all, if they had flat out asked him this question and if he thought that way, he should have just said, this is not the appropriate time to even discuss this. He could have said that for later or said that at home, first of all. Second of all, you know, I don't, the context of the question is like, think about it. Just be a smart person and say, well, you know, that's not what, that's not what these people are talking about right now. That's not what they're out there getting pepper sprayed about. They're not talking about the flag. They're talking about the fact that unarmed black men keep getting killed. That, that's it. That's the discussion. That's the discussion. Where does the flag get to that discussion? We're talking about something that happened four years ago with Colin Kaepernick. That had nothing to do with the current conversation that should be being had right now. So, I, like you said, two pick, two pick sixes. If anything, it's like he threw a pick six. Then he got scored on because he played on defense. Then he missed a field goal to tie the game. And then he blocked the punt for his own team. So these guys in his locker room, if anything, he should have thought about self-preservation because you know, as well as I know, that the sport of football is a team sport. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Drew Brees is one of those players is not physically talented enough to just outman a defense by himself so 
He has Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Tarn Armstrad, um, all those black guys that help him on Sunday. Um, if I were him, I would feel really unsafe as the quarterback. You got to have black people to block for you. You got to have people to catch your passes. So I would want to get to know those guys, you, you would think, as a leader of a franchise. But he hadn't done that. So <clears throat> I don't know. That's disappointing. It's disappointing here. And, uh, yeah. And and I, I, re- I really wasn't upset when I heard it. It was just I, I kind of knew who this was. And I didn't understand. I just didn't understand why he felt that he needed to say that. Um, quick, quick message to Drew Brees from me. Save the white tears. Save the white tears. I don't care. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. Save it. Leave the little Instagram video. I've changed. I've grown as a person over the last. I, I don't care. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care. Two days. Two Cry days. me a river. Cry me a river. Because you literally said the exact same thing in 2016. As E said, you know, Alvin Kamara dropped the thread. However, that you know, that was this week. Alvin Kamara, the, the year, the first year that Cap was blacklisted, wore a Cap jersey and a hat that said, um, move back to Africa or something like that. Let, let's make Africa great again. The, the exact first year that Cap, he's been talking about this. Alvin Kamara didn't just pop up with this Twitter thread. In your locker room. You heard everybody said what they had to say in your locker room. I, I don't, I don't, if you don't get it by now, you just don't get it. And it's not, no, everybody killed you for it. How could he dare say this again? The same thing. Like we talked about last episode, like he said, he put it best. If you don't get it by now, I don't care. It is not my job. It is not my job to, to, to educate you on a black experience. It is not my job to, for us to go back and forth. We are grieving right now. We are grieving right now. We're, we're, we're fighting our own fight, and we don't have time to stop and explain to you and catch you up so you can get on our boat. You had a chance to. It, Trayvon Martin died eight years ago. You've had eight years. I don't care. Save the white tears, the, the white guilt. I, I don't care. I don't care. Stop it. Stop it. Be who you are. Say what you feel. That's right. That's cool. Stay there. I don't, we don't need you. I'm sorry. We don't need you, Drew Brees. You said what you said. We're, we're going to keep it pushing. We're going to fight this fight regardless because it's our fight. It's not your fight anyway. Any white allies that want to help us, that want to speak up against this and, <clears throat> excuse me, say this needs to stop, my black brothers and sisters that I love so much, you know, Matt Ryan, that's cool. You know, if not, that's cool too because it's not your fight. This is our fight. So we're going to do this. With or without you, that's it. Go ahead, King. And the Honestly, is, the apology, apology was an insult to injury for me. So mm-hmm. he could have just kept that to himself. Sorry, King, but yeah. No, that's okay. You good? You good? What the? It's it, that's a good point though. Um, that's a good point though, E, that you made about you know how you know Drew Brees, you know, really made himself you know sound oh so ignorant because you know who I feel like that it, it's a great point you made about how I feel like Drew Brees has been somewhat shielded from all this, from all this criticism because he was so instrumental in, you know, you know, rebuilding New Orleans after Katrina. But the thing that people, you know, don't understand or maybe he should understand is that he's had a lot of time to do this because it's New Orleans. I mean, last time I checked, lots of black people live in the New Orleans era uh, area. I mean, 
you know, pre-Katrina, even though a lot of them left and they went to Houston and Atlanta and other places after Katrina, I mean, that's still a, you know, one of the biggest black cities in the entire country, New Orleans. So he has had this time to educate himself on these issues and to become, you know, you know, very, very, very informed on these issues. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, as far as I'm concerned, you know, people, you know, think like, you know, oh, you know, this is supposed to be Drew Brees, you know, he, you know, you think that he's, you know, a lot more intelligent, but in all honest and truth, you know, it's, as far as I'm concerned, um, Drew Brees did something that really made himself sound like, or look like this guy. <laughs> hey, so, Tim Tebow, he took the knee that I liked. Uh, <laughs> when you want to take the knee, you take the knee like Tebow. <laughs> but, the, 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 but the thing is, I bring him, I bring Tebow up for a reason because we've we saw even over the course of his short-lived NFL career, like Tim Tebow is the poster child when you talk about you know some of these white quarterbacks, some of these white quarterbacks that end up you know not necessarily having you know these great careers, but it's like they're they're propped up because they're this good Christian guy and they're propped up because of their brand and things like that. And we talked about this on previous episodes where I've always felt like, you know, just like, you know, just like it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, people prop up Drew Brees for stuff. I feel like, you know, the part of the reason as to why I bring them up is because, you know, a lot of these dudes that be out here, like, let's be honest about, you know, even about, you know, going back to the, to the T-Bow thing, like, there's no way that this guy, like, you know, is just this this good Christian, wholesome, like, you know, bring this dude home to your mama. Like, he was the starting quarterback at Florida. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm squashing that now. But, you know, it's, you know, it's one of those things where um, I just feel like, um, you know, like you said, he was just, you know, Drew Brees was just very, um, you know, it's just so, um, you know, really tone deaf about, you know, about these types of issues. And it's it's such a stark contrast between, you know, him and whether it's a whether it's a Matt Ryan or whether it's even an Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has, you know, gotten political with it for a long time. Like, you know, you know, even when he became the, you know, the starting quarterback for the Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has, you know, has, you know, made no bones about where he stands politically. So it's just amazing the fact that, you know, you know, he's had all like Drew Brees has had all this time to educate himself about these issues playing in New Orleans for such a long time after he was practically ran out of San Diego and and, and is one of those and is one of those issues where you know he has so many black fans because he plays for the Saints and I imagine for sure that they had to be that they definitely had to be disappointed in him and like you said all those you know all those black players that he has you know, on his team that has protect for him. And Jeremy, that's a great point that you said because football is not just a team sport. It's the team sport. I mean, there's, you know, in some sports, you know, even in other team sports like basketball and baseball, they've been somewhat individualized. But in football, I could care less like how much of a laser rocket arm a la Peyton Manning that you got. If you don't have an offensive line that's, that's you know, willing to, you know, willing to say, okay, you know, we're going to protect this guy, then it doesn't matter. Drew Brees might as well be Tim Tebow. So, mm-hmm. so he, he, he need to watch him. He need to check himself before he wreck himself. <laughs> Just think about the guys that will be chasing him. I mean, 
like not only are you the quarterback and the guy with the ball they play now now people have a reason to not like you <laughs> that's 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 got to be a scary proposition with some of these some of these freakish athletic people that play in the NFL that play the edge position in the NFL like I don't know it's 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 a poor timing it's a poor choice of words everything we've said I agree with all of you so what about Jack Crum? Yeah. Wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before we get to that, Martellus Bennett on Aaron Rodgers. You brought up Aaron Rodgers. It's your boy. It's your boy, Eric. Uh, Martellus hey, Bennett three days ago. Uh, he he quoted uh, an old story. Rodgers tells me while he doesn't plan on sitting out the anthem, he believes the protest, which he describes as peaceful and respectful, are positive, mentioning that he's had conversations with the new teammate, tight end Martellus Bennett, about the issues they represent. I'm going to stand because that's the way I feel about the flag, but I'm 100% supportive of my teammates and fellow players of who they're choosing that to. Uh, they have a battle for racial equality. That's what they're trying to get a, a conversation started around. Martellus Bennett, he screenshotted that. He said, uh, and he put they in all caps. They have us on some. That's something that they're trying to do. He said, so miss me with the, B, uh, the BS. Show me one. I don't want y'all to paint these dudes as white savers that, that were always speaking up. It's just not that true. I was there. He said, he saw what I went through while protesting in Green Bay. And protesting in Wisconsin is a wild experience. So, you know, he's pretty yeah. much just calling out BS on, on all of these on all of these uh, dudes that are speaking up now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Mart first of all, Martellus, I ride with Martellus. I, I like him because he's never been shy to say what he's on his own mind. And, he's at, and he was when he was in Green Bay. He did. He did protest and he did speak up about it, and it didn't really seem like a lot of people had his back on that. I think Mason Crosby might have said, made a comment or two were in support, but not really much of the locker room. But Aaron is one. I, Aaron's one that's like, even when he does say something and like he did make that Instagram post, it's cool. I think what Martellus said that already beat Aaron to it was, you guys finally speak up once there's like a safety blanket. So it's easier now for Aaron to speak up because now all these other guys have already shown their face and shown who they are. And now you can come in at the last and be like, all right, you know, whatever the case may be, that's that's easy to do. That's easier to do than being the first one to do it because we've asked, like, people have asked Tom Brady to say something. He didn't want to be the first one to do it. Or Eli Manning or whoever else, Eli Manning or whoever else, and none of them, step, you know, step foot forward. They just watch all the black players get ridiculed or the defensive guys get ridiculed. And it's like they just wait and wait and wait, and then they say something. It's like I love Aaron Rodgers, yes, as a player, but he still is at fault for being for choosing this moment um, to not actually to to say that, but actually not actually like years ago he said he would actually act on it. And to be truthful, I haven't personally seen anything any action of him when it comes to following the Colin Kaepernick, all of that. He hasn't shown me anything out you know outside of that out of words. So what Martellus is saying is true. Like love Aaron, but bro, you're not you're you're not you're not from fault either, bro. So yeah. And the transition into the SEC when when I look at the the guys who were protesting, you know, this past weekend they were protesting in Oxford. Elaine Kiffin was out there and Jeremy mm -hmm. Pruitt was up there protesting in Knoxville and even Joel Olstein. I know that's away from the SEC, but I kinda of throw him under the same blanket. Um, <laughs> it just seems very superficial because it's like i've never heard you know what i'm saying like i never thought of like lane Kiffin, sure. the black lives matter guy you know jeremy i got you i gotta ask you man what, what do you think about your boy jake from what he said this is um the same thing i thought about um 
Drew Brees. Um, it's tone deaf. It was honestly, you know what? I'll take it back because Jake Fromm's a younger guy, so I can understand him being a little ignorant to this. But you know, you you, I don't know you. I like how he reacted to it once this all this came out. You know, he came out immediately, admitted to it, he apologized for it, blah blah blah. Um, and you know, this is the old tweet, uh, old. A text, I believe, from a young woman, but um, it also, it, <clears throat> you know, it's a problem with what he said, but then it's also a problem with how she reacted as well. Um, not because she exposed it. I, I think she should have done this while he was at UGA when it happened. That's what. That's my issue with it. It's like, you know, you feel that it's going to ruin him now, so that's why you did it. Um, when in reality, if you'd done this, you would have done more for the, the cause back then had you said something then or even checked him about it privately. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I really feel about it. I did not. It, 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 makes, me, it's, it makes me feel bad because, like, you know, as a Georgia sports observer and a Georgia fan, you know, it just, may, it just confirms – all the people who wanted Justin Fields as quarterback, you know, like <laughs> it's like, you know, it's that, you know, it's like yeah. he now Jake Fromm goes in that category of like the good old boy mentality that goes on at the UGA. That's why a lot of people in our team in Athens don't support the, the, the Georgia Bulldogs because it's got that good old boy feel to it. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah. Um, Hearing from say that it's like you know he subscribes to that way of living. So now he like now I have to like I don't know like I can't retroactively go back and say you know I don't know I don't know what to do about this now. Like I don't like I don't know what to do with this information. It's like and I think moving forward into the NFL, either it'll make him more educated about what he says and how he handles himself, and you know actually trying to get to know his teammates, especially seeing what Drew Brees just went through and in year 22 of his career um yeah or uh, you know he'll actually you know earn his teammates trust back and you know he'll get something out of this as a young player but i don't know i mean definitely have caught the vibe that he you know had his guys on the team just based off how i saw the interactions with players um davin bellamy um there was nothing more condemning than what he said um, he came out and tweeted that, um, you know, he was a Jacob Eason guy from the start. Um, that tells me a lot. Jake Fromm took, took that team that Dalvin Bellamy was on and they went to a national championship as the court with Jake as the quarterback. And, mm-hmm. you know, even a guy that was in that battle with Jake every week, you know, wanted Jacob Eason out there or preferred Jacob Eason. Makes me wonder why. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I know I've interviewed Jake a few times, and I know that he's a he's one of those good guys. That's like, you know, it's this is what this is what's scary about the situation because you know he's one of those good guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to him and get great quotes. He looks you in your eye, he shakes your hand. He's really he's really well spoken. Blah blah blah. And this is how he thinks about you behind closed doors. I don't know. That's the really scary thing about this whole this whole situation. It's almost mirror images of Drew 
Drew Brees, but it's at the beginning of Jake's career at the end of Drew. So it's really scary. I'm just waiting for, like, um, one of these quarterbacks to just, like, tweet it first. I want them to, like, go back and, and find something that they said that was wildly just whatever in case it's racist, racist or whatnot, whatever it is. It is tone deaf. I want them to, like, find it and tweet it out first or put it on social or just, like, whatever. And then, like, discuss it where they were wrong. Like, I want them to jump out in front of this because Jake Fromm would never have said anything unless that happened, right? Which is – this happens all the time, so it's no surprise there. But he's a, that's just how it goes. But I just want one of these athletes for once to be like, all right, listen – I said something back in 2000, <laughs> 2009. Let me just, like, get it out there now, and let me discuss it because I was wrong. Just jump out in front of it first. I think, like, if Fromm is not an example of that or whoever, like, so many examples, but, like, bro, just learn from these dudes. And because, like, I love I, – look, I liked what what my boy Burrow said, but it's like if Burrow says something in the past in high school or whatever or college, bro, go ahead. You, I wouldn't be – Go ahead and jump out and say, I said this back and I've, I've grown from it. I don't believe in this thoughts anymore. Because, bro, we know what these, these, like, it sticks with you. When the narrative sticks, it sticks. Everybody, what of all the jokes we've seen the whole week, man, was the boy from, was from the 49ers defensive lineman. And, and oh, bro, also. Yeah, both of the jokes, I never got it in, bro, because those tweets are still there. Like no, never, and they get they never stop getting funny because Bosa would never he never wants to speak on it. Mick Gary, like, say it again. Mick Gary, Mick Gary, yeah, oh, yeah, another good old boy. So yeah, those those guys are anyway. Obviously, they they're standing on their ground on what they believe in. Whatever, that's fine. But like, still, we seen the proof of it. So I don't know. My, that's only my statement I want to make. I think some of these guys are just if they truly care. That's the thing. If you truly care then jump out in front of it, acknowledge that I've made comments in the past, and then try to move on from there because that's the only advice I can give them. Because from when he gets in that locker room and you're not one of the top two guys, I mean, he's I don't know where he's on the depth chart. It's going to be ugly for you. It's going to be ugly for you. And that's the that's another one of those things that makes it, you know, so, um, you know, so just, you know, like you said with Drew Brees because – and the thing is about – um the thing is about – um, about from that, you know, he's going, you know, from UGA to Buffalo. And he, that's one of the things that, that also is actually somewhat of a parallel to the Drew Brees situation, because Buffalo is, if I remember correctly, Buffalo is almost 40% black. So, you know, he's going, you know, he's going to another um, portion of the country in, you know, upstate New York, where there's a, a pretty huge, um, you know, black fan, but, and not, only that, but also I was just thinking about this. The Buffalo Bills, where he's going to be playing, they got fans in Toronto too. They got fans in the six, and they got a lot of you know. There's a lot of um. Toronto got a lot of uh, black people up there too. So, so the Buffalo Bills are one of those teams, you know, like a lot of teams in the NFL that have a huge black fan base and. The Bills are in a unique situation because they got fans, a black fan base in two countries. So that's really something that also, you know, that also brought it, you know, full circle for me in many ways. But but also that's a that I, I like what you said e, about what you were saying about the um about, you know, guys that have these paths about them and just say, look, you know, I may have said this. I may have believed this. I may have did this, you know, because 
And, and the easy excuse that they can go ahead and say is, you know what, I'm young. They could, they could automatically say, like, if they thought these things in high school, if they thought these things in college, they could automatically say, hey, look, I, I was young. I wasn't necessarily um, all that, you know, informed on the issues, but I've matured, I've grown. And I feel like that if, if a player were to come out and say, say something like that, I feel like that that would be believable. I feel like that that would actually be one of those things that, you know, people would relate to because, you know, it's just, you know, it's just natural that, you know, people become informed about, you know, a lot more of these issues, you know, when they get, you know, when they get older. So I think that if more players, you know, were to, were to do that, because there are a lot of players out there that, you know, that probably their, their, their views have evolved and their views have changed as they've gotten older. So, and, and the thing is in this age, you know, with, with, with social media and everything like that, sooner or later, stuff like that is, it's eventually going to come out one way or another. So, you know, at this point, you know, it, it's one of those things where, and then, you know, you got people out there that are going to try and, you know, that are going to try and find stuff like this anyway on you. So, you know, because that's something that really and truly, you know, even, um, you know, even if it's, you know, even if you like a recruit or would be recruit, like, you know, you got, you know, coaches that are literally like scouring your social media thinking like, okay, do I want to recruit this kid? Do I want to recruit this kid? Do I want to recruit that kid? Because he may have somewhat of a questionable character. So I think that it's, you know, it's something where I think it's evolving to a point where I think that more of these, uh, more of these guys that are going to come out, you know, uh, if they're going to, if they're going to do this, I think that, you know, just, you know, just put it out there and, you know, just say, you know what, I was young. I thought these things before, but I don't think these things now. And I feel like that would be a lot more organic because it would be something where people would think, okay, they're putting this out there right now. They're not necessarily waiting for the right time just because it would look good for somebody's brand or so. Yeah. I've said some pretty wild things in the past on social media and, you know, and, and text messages and everything like that. So, I mean, I know if I get, if they get discovered before I discover them and, and delete them and get rid of them, then, you know, I'll be in trouble, but hey, I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, we, we've gone through this a few times with Josh Hader, and you know, you see it all the time when guys get drafted. The old tweets come up, so it's, it's still kind of a new thing. Um, you know, with this generation being the first generation to be twelve, thirteen, and you know, those things are still. Twitter's been popular for over ten years now. Facebook's been popular for about 13 years now. So this is the first generation where they had to kind of like live through, like the people who grew up on MySpace, like MySpace like no longer became a thing after like five years. So this is like the first generation where they had to kind of grow up with, you know, having their stuff. So, you know, it's all new to us. We're all figuring this out. Um, so I don't know how to judge the farm one because, you know, he did it in the confident, in the confidence, I don't know if that's the word. And the confidence of text message, uh, text messages. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I'd be joking kind of, kind of wild in the text message just because it's like between us and there's kind of like a mutual understanding of this is a joke or this is sarcasm. So uh, I don't know. You know, I, it, there's also that part to it. So like Jeremy said, if Jeremy meant to do and, and he's a good guy, I don't know. I don't know. This, this one, I'm not going to jump on as much as freaking – Drew Brees, 40-something years old, 20 years in the league, and they asked him this week right in the heat of racial tension, 
and he says the same thing he says four years ago. So it's not the same thing to me, but um, there's also, it just gets tricky with some cases because it's like, do you think his apology was genuine or do you think he was just apologizing because he got caught? And I'm like, I don't know. It's, this whole thing is very, very, I don't know-ish. Yeah, like I said, that's where I'm at with it. I really don't know what to do with this information because I know, uh, you know, I know that, I know, like you said, they, they, it seemed like this was in the confidence or with the understanding that this conversation was between them and it was a joking manner. But if you really, if, as the person who revealed these texts, if you really were, you know, feeling uncomfortable about this, now, like you should have felt that way a year ago to expose him as he was in the middle of a college football world and he didn't have any money. I always get, I always cringe when I see somebody post stuff like this when somebody's on the come up because I don't know what your intentions are at this point. Did he say something to you as far as not uh, financially doing something for you? Like, you know what I'm saying? So that gets tricky also when, it, when we start talking about a guy who just came into money. Um, or anyone who just came into money because, you know, why now? This was whatever you feel about this today, it was the case a year ago. I would have felt the same about this a year ago. It's not just because this movement, this movement's been going on for decades, centuries. So you should have felt like that makes me question whoever this is as well. So I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to feel about it. Till this day, Jeremy. Till this Til day. day. To this day, radio. The thunderstorm oh. comes behind them. We had for too long. To this day, years. To this day, that video, boy, bro. Hey, Wilder, you a wild boy? That's it, man. Him, hey, real quick, him and King back. I'm not the audience. Y'all just go watch the videos. Let me know what y'all think because I, I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm done, man. I can't. I can't, I can't the, do this. The, the, the dude, they, they called him a coon because they were like, he's not funny. And it went from he's not funny to he's a coon. And then, <laughs> so he tried to make up for it by taking off his shirt and misspelling everybody's name. Like, I'm a black man. I have to go to the store. I'm a black man. I'm like, I don't know what this has to do with, like, helping the fight against racial injustice. And, Bruh, <laughs> what are we doing? I, was like, I, I, I think nobody knows what to do in the country, how to solve this problem. So they're just like, but that ain't it though. That's yeah, still yeah, ain't yeah. it. Yeah, I can it. assure you that that your little two minute skit yelling like this with your shirt off, with written with marker all over you, is, is gonna solve. <laughs> if anything, it's gonna be dangerous because that poison's gonna. You didn't learn that when you were a kid, like when you used to write like tattoos. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. Don't do that. That's gonna yeah. seep into your blood, and that is not safe. And you're like, dang, all right, thanks, mom. I now turn eight years old. <laughs> Listen, man. Yeah, um, that happens. That happens. Like that's uh, that definitely that definitely happened, man. But you know, it, it, what can you, sometimes like I like I say, you know, sometimes when, when when crazy mess like that happens, sometimes you just gotta just smile and just say, you know, that ill was that ill. <laughs> that ill, man. That's it. Just about. Just about, but, but yeah, but yeah, that's um, you know, that sounds like to me that that's uh, dare I say, pretty much it, or dare I say, that's pretty much it for you know for us. Uh, but 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 yeah, I mean, you know, so um, yeah, lots of uh, 
lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff going on, definitely. But uh, but once again, um, you know, another episode, dare I say, in the books. Um, we just, like I said, you know, it's a it's a lot going on, but you know, we just trying to maintain and obtain. That's somewhat of my one of my main my one of my new sayings that I got going on here for sure. So um, so yeah. Um, uh, I uh, guess are we talking know, about Mikey next week? Huh? Are we talking about Mikey next week? We'll, we'll talk about we, Mikey next week. My, my, Mikey, we're saving Mikey for everybody. Yeah, we're we're saving Mikey for next week. That's yeah. fair enough. Yeah. I guess I, I completely forgot about that. My bad. It is what it is. But um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we're sort of a preview of next week. So definitely tune in for that. But um, but yeah, we've uh, I'm pretty sure we've gone just about over an hour. So uh, I guess we might as well just get out of here and do our do our sign offs if we could, shall we? Uh, Eric Kibo underscore. Um, I have watched. This is my Rashawn impersonation. I have watched the whole time, Lil Yachty whole time video. I've watched about a thousand times. Uh, and I just imagined myself in that video. I love that video. Shout out to y'all for that. Uh, Jeremy Johnson, uh, Clark underscore Kent underscore 75. You know what it is. Super. Uh, RashadMilligan.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Renee Montgomery's Water. Staying good spirits, by the way, Jeremy. Staying good spirits for sure. Absolutely. King Balaam, Twitter, Graham, Beyond the W, and Prep Girls, South Carolina. Check it out. Till next week, see ya later. Y'all must thought that I was gonna whisper the whole time. Hey, mistress, uh, diamonds they wear like go fishing. Uh, I don't want friends, I want Audis. Audi. I don't want cars, I want Rarys. Uh, I don't want